You want long-winded responses with some banter in between? You want concise so we can move through a list of questions? What do you want? I think concise. Hey everybody, this is PJ Riley here today on another episode of the Lancaster Archery Supply Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are here today joined by John Wirt, who is the director of Trad Tech Archery, a division of Lancaster Archery. John, thanks for being here with us. Thank you for being here too, PJ. I'm excited to talk to you today. <laughs> And this is a monumental year for Trad Tech. I believe it is the 10th anniversary. 10th anniversary of Trad Tech, uh, the vision of Rob Coffold. It was started, you know, 10 years ago with a certain set of goals and a vision. And I think we've reached a lot of goals. And uh, in those 10 years, we've really connected with traditional archers all over the world. For those who don't know it, explain what Trad Tech Archery is and does. Trad Tech Archery is, uh, it's really a specific line of traditional recurve and longbows. Comes out of uh, a group of archers, uh, including Rob Coffold, who, you know, 20 years ago, maybe even longer, were taking their tournament-style recurve bows, spray painting them on the back deck, and finding the heaviest sets of limbs that Hoyt was making or other recurve companies was, were making, spray painting them brown and green and putting them away just for the hunting season. And then when hunting season came around, they would uh, put their tournament bows down and pick up these tournament-style limbs and risers in heavier weights and go bow hunt with them. You know, there was nothing really manufactured for the, that group of archers that combined bow hunting, you know, style with modern Olympic recurve design. And uh, Rob and his college friends who uh, he competed with at James Madison. They really put their head into the project and developed some hunting bows that are brought forth from uh, modern Olympic recurve technology, but they were specifically designed for bow hunters, and it turned into something really special. What about you? How did John Wirt, how did you come to be connected to Trad Tech? That's funny, and I remember I was living in Salt Lake City at the time. I never expected to work in the archery industry. Archery was just a hobby, um, traditional archery specifically, and um, I organized some traditional archery leagues in, in when I was in Salt Lake just for traditional guys and bow hunted a lot in Utah and, and in Pennsylvania. I remember when Trad Tech was started, and I remember you'd call it the earlier days. It wasn't the beginning of archery discussion forums online, but it was certainly much earlier, 10 years ago. Uh, and I was just, at the time, doing home mortgages and listening and watching and being a fan of this equipment. I had ordered a few of my first items from Lancaster Archery about the same time that Trad Tech uh, was being established, and I remember getting the Trad Tech catalog at my place in Utah, and it was pretty cool to shop, you know, from the Lancaster Archery selection in the specific traditional archery gear that was offered. In and uh, obviously, this is something that you have a passion for, traditional archery, not just something that you're selling, you're into it. What do you like about it? Bow hunting is, I would argue, the best time of year to be a deer hunter. 
you know, you've got the, you're hunting the rut for elk often. Um, you're hunting the rut for whitetails in Pennsylvania. Uh, in Pennsylvania, the, the gun seasons typically come just after the, the best part of the season. And you get also that warm weather at the end of the summer when it's really a lot of fun to be out in the field and experiencing that. I don't care how long you've been hunting with a gun, you don't get from gun hunting specifically for whitetail deer or big game. You don't get the intimacy and the interaction and the, the, that closeness that comes from a bow hunter or a bow hunting situation. What I would call traditional bow hunting distance from an animal is a really close space. It's a really intimate space. You're right there on, you know, in that zone where an animal should be aware of you. And so it, it just creates excitement and um, a, a way of experiencing hunting that's like nothing else. But there must be something, because you could do all that with a compound, as you said, so there must be something particular about traditional that you like. I, I was raised as a hunter, not as a bow hunter. My family didn't bow hunt, but I was really into hunting and gun hunting. There were some neighbors. Uh, this is before the internet and before uh, hunting TV shows became popular. There were some neighbors that bow hunted, and I was I would hunt small game on the on the hill mountain behind my house, and I'd run into them often, or I'd see their tree stands. And it was fascinating to see these tree stands in the woods and try to think about what they were doing and how they were hunting with bows and what their equipment looked like. So when I was in high school, I got my first compound bow. I loved it, and I shot it all the time. But there was this old bow my dad had. He never hunted with it. I never saw him shoot it. It was a wing falcon, 62-inch bow, 47 pounds, I think. And it hung in his study, and I, I would stare at it as a kid. I shot a couple deer with, with my first high country compound bow in high school, and shortly afterward took that bow into my local store, Baker's Archery Supply, and I told him I didn't want it anymore, and I wanted to trade it in on some credit or something. And I bought a dozen Easton aluminum arrows fletched with feathers and a couple other things. And I took that home and, and a new string, and I set up that old wing. And since then, I never hunted with anything except traditional recurves and longbows. I think that's where I got the uh, initial um, intention to do it, uh, if I remember correctly. And now you're immersed into it, all things traditional, because you shoot competition, targets. If you see John Wirt, he's shooting a stick bow. So what I owe that to and, and what I owe, you know, the information I have about traditional archery to is, is the kind of position that Lancaster Archery puts you in. So, you know, I ran leagues. I helped people set up bows. You know, I even made a couple of um, laminated uh, traditional longbows when I lived in Utah. There's a great company out there that helps you build them from kits. So I thought I knew a lot about archery, but my, my experience and my perspective was extremely narrow looking back when I started here in, in 2010. And, you know, I learned being it. Uh, Lancaster Archery employee and specifically what I do and I get to go out all over the country in fact I've been to the other side of the world to look at where uh, traditional bows are being made and uh, what I've learned in experiences from competitors and from bow hunters and from being you know in the archery community um, has given me a really broad um, perspective on archery um, I really 
I enjoy the look and the feel and the the buzz around compound bows and crossbows. I think they're cool, but I have never had an intention to ever pick one up and use it since I picked up that first wing. And so, but uh, there's a lot of gear and equipment that crosses over. So, you know, I've had a, a lot of great experiences working with Lancaster Archery, and it helps me to kind of pull the, all those together to really serve traditional archers by by sharing that perspective. These bows are kind of built off of the uh, Olympic style, uh, more so than um, the more traditional bows. Well, explain the difference, I guess. Yeah. Go ahead. Basically, uh, it revolves around a limb connection system called ILF, and um, that's the that's the center of it. And what ILF is, it stands for International Limb Fitting. This is a, a universal connection system that allows one set of limbs or various sets of limbs to be attached on various risers. So um, you can use one company's limbs on the risers from the same company. You can also use those limbs on risers from another company and vice versa. Risers work with limbs from all over the spectrum. and. That's the center of what TradTech is, and that's what makes us unique from other traditional bows. Uh, the design, the ILF design, was created by Hoyt. It was originally called the Hoyt Dovetail System. What people should understand is it's not new at all. It's been around for a long, long time, decades. Um, it only became popular in a mainstream way in the early 2000s, um, but then it became very popular, and that was when people like Rob and his college buddies were using their tournament bows to hunt. In hunting equipment, it became popular when TradTech arrived and a couple of other companies at the same time that were building bows specifically made for bow hunters in the lengths that are appropriate to bow hunters, in the colors that are appropriate to bow hunters, with that same limb attachment, ILF. And what's made it so successful is the fact that it's universal and we can collaborate. You know, there can be custom uh, boyers in Texas who make a riser and my limbs fit on it perfectly and you know there are some of the best Korean uh, technology going into hunting bows these days um, in trad tech bows and in other ILF hunting style bows. What's the benefit of that style? First like why not just stick with what the old uh, you know, one-piece bow was. There are a lot of traditional archers who are not willing to accept something that seems to have modern convenience as part of its um, attraction. The benefit is universality. So you, you have a riser or you have a set of limbs, you can get on Lancaster Archery's website and you can find dozens of different risers or limbs that you can combine with the equipment you already have to, to make it just what you want it to be. You can, and then traditional archers, you know, one neat thing about traditional archer community is if you ever go to a rendezvous, at the end of each day at a rendezvous, you're gonna see all these blankets starting to spread out in the grass behind the tents, and um, a flea market develops where traditional archers have a blanket and they've got limbs and knives and old broadheads and chunks of obsidian to share. And on these blankets now, there's tons of ILF bows uh, limbs and risers that can be traded. And so uh, ILF limbs get traded and sold all the time or resold all the time to share, you know, the equipment that we have. Um, the other thing is it allows you to, a lot of the people who are really into ILF bows 
are people who use their bow all year long. So there are a lot of people who aren't just bow hunters. They compete in indoor archery in the wintertime. They compete in field and 3D archery in the summertime. And the people who, who do all of those different disciplines in archery, from bow hunting to different types of tournament archery, they're very fond of ILF equipment because they can mix and match. They have one riser that they shoot really well for, for hunting and for 3D, and they can have a lighter set of limbs for tournament shooting and a little bit heavier set of limbs for bow hunting. Uh, and so this being the 10th year uh, for Trad Tech, we have a new, a new line. What, what can you tell us about the new Trad Tech line this year? What's new in 2017 is uh, we, we redid all of our, our wood composite risers. So we had a selection of risers that are based on wood or wood and phenolic combinations, and they look a lot like the traditional bows most people are used to seeing. We've totally uh, uh, reviewed and, and redone that entire wooden bow line with what are called the Trident risers. Trident uh, has three offerings, 17-inch, 19-inch, and 21-inch riser, good colors, a new adjustment system that we think our, our customers are really enjoying and perfect for bow hunting. They're quiet and they have that warm feel of wood. The Titan risers, which are two separate risers, the Titan 2 and Titan 3, there's no change for 2017. Uh, they were uh, redone a couple of years ago by Rob and myself, and they're extremely su successful, our most successful riser um, to date. Uh, the other thing that's new, though, is a carbon riser, a 17-inch carbon riser, and it's a collaboration with Win and Win. And it's what I bow hunted with this fall, uh, fall 2016, and have just had a great uh, success with and fallen in love with the feel of carbon risers. Also, in collaboration with Win and Win, we redid all of the recurve limbs. That was a significant step forward for for us because people have run into some production issues. We ran into the same kinds of production issues and we partnered uh, this year with Win and Win and we're, we're finally getting free of those production issues. And we've got a pretty amazing set of limbs that uh, are as good as any limb we've ever had. And I believe there's a new logo. Trad Tech now has a new logo uh, on its bows and risers. The logo, uh, we call it a bow tie. We've got a cool bow tie on the top limb and a, a little bit more graphics on the belly side of the lower limb than we ever had. It was more logo than I think Rob wanted, um, but we think it looks great. You know, there are some old rules with traditional limbs where there's never any graphics on the back of the lower limb or the belly of the top limb, and we like to stick with that sort of traditional look. Um, but overall, the limbs are a flat, a flat clear coat, um, hunting appropriate limbs with what we think is a modest tasteful logo and a lot of my customers are real happy with it you just said something that uh, always interests me you said on the belly side of the limb let's tell people because we hear front and back of the bow all of the time what are the correct terms for the two faces of the bow there's only one good way to describe it and that's back and belly back faces the target belly faces the archer explains it very accurately and if you don't use those two terms you're going to run into a situation where you're miscommunicating with somebody so stick with back all of you listening stick with back and belly 
um, when you're describing bow limbs. Perfect. I like that. We put that controversy <laughs> to rest. One of the things that intrigues me about, you know, traditional archery, of course, I have a, a image of what it looks like, and it's always guys in uh, leather buckskins uh, running around with their raccoon skin hats and all that. Um, but there is this uh, modern era now, there's modern media and things like that. And there are these guys, these friends of yours, uh, Tim Nebel and, and Matt Zernzak, who put out this video, this film called The Push, and it's wildly successful. I, I mean, they came out with a second uh, episode of it because the first one went so well. well tell, talk to me a little bit about that, why it's popular and why it's appropriate for traditional archery. Good questions, and there's two questions I think that are in there. One is, we started with what's the look of traditional archers, and that's, you know, we're associated with wool and wool rich and plaid and sort of not fitting the stereotypical modern bow hunter with perfectly matching camo patterns that perfectly match the, the, the tone of the skylight, and if it's a overcast day you might wear a little bit more overcast camouflage and if it's a bright sunny day you got to wear a different so the idea is um, traditional bow hunters want to look like we don't care a little bit so we wear wool and you know we we want to look like we're doing it the hard way we also want to look iconic and you know as it, traditional archery I don't care where I am if somebody sees me shooting a recurve bow if it's a if it's one of the best compound shooters in the country or somebody who has really little archery experience with any kind of bow, whenever they see me shooting a traditional bow, they make comments and I can tell they're enjoying not just watching, they're enjoying and imagining themselves doing it. And so even a lot of us as traditional archers spend a lot of time imagining ourselves with our equipment doing it. And so we like to, to think about the way we look and we want to, to put on a certain um, vision of ourselves it's somewhat self-absorbed, but it's still cool, and we all try to look cool. Second question was Tim Neville and Matt and the push, and they're, the young guys like Matt and Tim and other guys in traditional archery are definitely looking for a certain look with some of the more sophisticated and high-end camouflage, and, you know, there's a lot of flat brims now in traditional archery, and that that young guy look and I love it because it's the next generation of of traditional archers and I still feel like I'm one of the young guys and I'm not anymore um, and um, but there's a whole bunch of cool young people who are connecting through YouTube and connecting through podcasts and connecting through Facebook and um, sharing what what they love about traditional archery and all those forums and i love it i love the push i gotta imagine that's only good for traditional archery because then it's not just you don't just think of old guys i mean if these young guys this is their thing media social media and if they're pushing that out there they're getting it out to other people it's great for traditional archery um what i there's one thing though that i see and there's a little bit of a disconnect and the disconnect is this, is that a lot of us follow the discussions on Facebook and the discussion and the videos on YouTube and the um, discussions on the archery forums from stick bow to trad talk to um, 
traditional archery society where we're all online talking about hunting and bows and shooting and all this stuff. And what you'll realize if you go to a lot of rendezvous or if you go to traditional archery events all over the country is there's a lot of older guys who don't pay attention to any of that stuff. So you think you're talking with the entire community when you're on the social uh, media websites or discussion forums and you're really only talking within a small kind of echo chamber of the community and there's a much bigger group out there who doesn't really even know where we were all arguing yesterday about something on the internet. Archers, uh, usually, archers are fans of all types of archery. They may be compound guys, they may be traditional folks, but they're per like you said, anyone can watch you shoot your recurve and they are enjoying imagining themselves doing that. Do you, do you see, are you seeing a shift where a lot of people are coming over from the compound side as opposed to someone coming in new to archery, they pick up traditional archery? I imagine you're probably seeing a lot of compound archers switching over just because they already are familiar with archery. Definitely. Um, there's no question. And there are a ton of archers who own and regularly hunt with and um, shoot on a daily basis both types of bows. That I think is more common now than than ever for somebody to fluidly move from shooting one type of bow to another type of bow. I mean there are famous iconic guys like Fred Eichler who you know he's shot a grand slam with uh, traditional bows but still hunts often with a modern compound bow and does TV shows and and hunts with a modern compound bow. So there's a ton of people who move back and forth. And uh, it's, it's fun sometimes. I, I've never had the urge to bow hunt with a compound bow ever since I gave it up in high school. You see a lot of guys struggling who really want to be a, a traditional bow hunter, who want to give away their modern equipment and their compounds and range finders and things like that, and just can't give up that fear that they're going to miss an opportunity at something they've been working really hard for or paid a lot of money for you paid a lot of money to go on an elk hunt do you really want to take your traditional bow and come home empty-handed i i see it i understand it why somebody might feel that way i don't ever get that same sort of second guessing myself but i think that's why a lot of people do shoot both is because they're bow hunters first. They, they have some goals or some ambition or some ideas of what they want to do with a bow or this big set of elk antlers they've always wanted on their wall, and they're worried that, you know, they won't get it if they... How do you tell them to, to be able to make that switch? Well, what do you tell them? I don't tell them is the answer. <laughs> and the reason is, that's a good question, and the reason I don't tell anybody is, you know, I don't know anybody who's bow hunting to keep their family, you know, fed for the winter time. Bow hunting is what we do for fun. And I tell people if they're worried about that, you know, it'll take the fun. I mean, if you're worried you're going to miss a chance at a big buck and it takes the fun out of it for you, then put your recurve away and go shoot whatever you want. And to me, I have the most fun, you know, 
shooting bows that I helped design and build, um, shooting bows that are built by friends of mine. You know, I have some bows, special bow built by Jimmy Blackman. It's an Osage Self bow, and it's one of my most prized possessions. And every time I grab some wood arrows and sit in a tree with it, I've, I haven't shot anything with it, Jimmy. Sorry. Um, but I will someday. And um, every time I sit in a tree with it, it increases the experience. It increases my enjoyment and makes that experience better for me. So if holding a traditional bow in your hand, you know, causes some stress that takes the fun away, don't do it. And if um, you're worried about the result of a hunting trip more than the, um, the experience of a hunting trip, you know, you might rethink that a little bit. You mentioned the rendezvous, uh, which seems to be a popular gathering for the traditional archery crowd we're coming into it it's it's ahead of us here we're early spring but you know generally seems to be in the summer tell us about a rendezvous you described it a little bit what what are they and where can people go to them rendezvous are just the are one of the best parts of traditional archery and before i get into it taking a, somebody who's not experienced with a rendezvous to a rendezvous, like we took you guys there uh, last summer, and just letting you, it all soak in for you, PJ, was as much fun as I've had in a few years at the Eastern Traditional Rendezvous. Watching you react and interact with you know, that crowd was really fun for me. Second. We should mention how that all started on my first day at the Eastern Traditional Archery Rendezvous. I do videos for Lancaster Archery, and I went out there in my normal, LAS shooter jersey that looks like a NASCAR shirt and people just looked at me like I was an alien from another planet. They looked like they didn't trust me. I was a bad person the whole business and I came to John Wirt and said, John, what's going on? And first thing John said was, you got to lose that shirt. Bright rainbow colors do not fit in at the traditional archery. <laughs> you, you can walk around with, you know, a dead coyote on your head, a 14-inch Bowie knife, no shoes and no shirt, and nobody will bat an eye, well, nobody will give you a second look, but you wear a shooter jersey like you, the one you were wearing, and you know the music screeches to a halt as soon as you walk in the door. But you know, it's, you, you know, you go there, you wanna look the part, you wanna wear some, some cool clothes, but, um, you know, you see a lot of traditional archery guys fighting on the internet or fighting about rules of the tournaments or fighting about how we should hold the bow or aim the bow. And it, it gets silly and tedious and, and sometimes takes a little bit of the fun out, out of it. Um, but you go to a rendezvous and none of that stuff exists at all. It's um, uh, custom boyers and uh, manufacturers of quivers and knives and arrows and you know, anything you can imagine, um, food, um, and usually uh, a whole bunch of targets set up just for fun. Very rarely at the rendezvous do you see people keeping score or, you know, getting too critical about how, how one is doing something or, or anything like that. As long as you're not, you know, stepping on anybody else's toes or being unsafe with the bow, you know, everybody's there to enjoy and get along. And, um, the Eastern traditional rendezvous, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's so much fun. 
you know, the one downside is it pours every year, like it's going to wash all the tents away. Well, the thing that one of the one of the things that stuck with me most after that first rendezvous for me was everyone's walking around carrying their bow. They carry it everywhere. Everywhere they go, they got their bow with them. And they could be standing there, and some guy comes up and says, hey, that's a cool bow. Here, you want to shoot it? They're swapping bows. You're not going to see that at an ASA tournament or IBO or anything like that. What, what is this connection that, these, that traditional people have with their bows? One, they weigh about one-tenth of the, the total mass weight of a modern compound bow. So it doesn't you know, give you shoulder problems to lug it around with you all day. Two, draw length is infinite, uh, or not infinite, but it has no s specific draw length. So a kid four feet tall can pull a bow back and shoot it, and he can hand it to somebody six feet tall, and they can shoot the same bow, no problem. Um, so that just that fact alone that modern bows are set up for one specific person's body um, makes them really tough to share. Um, but and traditional bows are really easy to share. But the whole point of the rendezvous is you don't see most of this stuff in your local sporting goods stores. You don't see it in your local archery stores. It's equipment that isn't in most archery shops. So one of the reasons they come is they get to see and experience and put their hands on all of this archery gear that people came from all over the country to bring together because very few people have, you know, have that access to it locally. So when we're there, we're sharing and everybody's trying and everybody's talking and explaining and, you know, um, helping people to get more information. And I, I was only at that one, which was ETAR, um, but I'm imagining they're all the same. I mean, it's basically you camp there, you're there for a couple days, you kind of just hang out, as you said, shoot targets. Is that typical of the rendezvous scene? The rendezvous I've been to from the central United States to the Northeast, um, not only are they a lot the same, they're a lot of the same people. So this, the same people who I see at Denton Hill, I also see in Baltimore at the uh, Baltimore Classic. They're, they're all very similar. They're all the same sort of community spirit. Some of them have history that's uniquely theirs or certain groups of guys. Um, you know, when you go to the, the traditional archery of New Jersey's um, get-togethers, you've got this great group of Jersey guys who are hardcore bow hunters, hardcore traditional guys. And, you know, they've got the Jersey sort of charm, if you would call it that. And, um, but they're into the same stuff you are and and it's just a great scene and great characters and a lot of fun and then in baltimore there's a group of guys that that has a reunion there every year the pirates of archery and they're you know that they're not uh formally a part of the uh baltimore traditional classic but that's their sort of home base for their reunion every year and uh eastern traditional archery Rendezvous has just its own history that goes way further than I do in archery. And uh, the Nefley family, who has uh, put on a show for all of us and a gathering for all of us that, you know, is a debt we can't repay to 
for what they've done for traditional archery, what the Nephilies have done. Um, so they're a lot alike, but the more you go to all of them, the more you find what's slightly unique about each one. For the comp- you mentioned typically at a rendezvous, they people don't keep score when they're shooting on the ranges. Let's say you have the competitive type. What what are the competitions that traditional archers who want to do that? Where do they go? What what do they do? Great question. And um, you know that lets me talk to you about Twin Oaks and uh, West Tennessee. Um, Twin Oaks Bow Hunters is a piece of property owned by Mark Baggett, where he puts on a um, who we all know is Pappy, and Pappy puts on a couple of uh, traditional rendezvous a year, and um, for you know, most of the history of what's called the IBO World Championship, most of those championships have been held at Twin Oaks. Now, they've been held elsewhere um, for a few years at a time, but for most of those, they've been at Pappy's Place at Twin Oaks. Twin Oaks is the most amazing place. If, you're, if you like traditional archery, you have an interest in it, you have to go see it someday because it's a special place um, where archery is alive and traditional archery is alive and people are teaching you how to nap obsidian and how to make skin deer hides and how to make self bows and things like that but pappy's embraced the um, competitive side of archery too and he's got tournaments he also hosts the ibo uh, traditional world championship which is one of my favorite events we've sponsored it since its inception and helped to give away the prizes I came to archery as a bow hunter, but I shoot so many arrows aside from bow hunting that archery for its own sake has become really important to me. If I couldn't bow hunt tomorrow, you know, I I would still be shooting a bow until the day I can't do it anymore because shooting a bow is is just as much fun or, or equally as fun as bow hunting. And I like to compete. I was a competitor in sports in high school and college and you know, later in life, archery is a great sport for old, washed-up athletes to try to get that feeling of competition again. And archery is a, a tough place to compete. Um, you know, you have to deal with um, nerves and and you know everything in a way that gives me butterflies, like I had when I was a kid and really competing. Um, so the IBO World Championship is a pretty unique event. Uh, the IBO is a huge worldwide international bow hunting and, and 3D tournament organization, and uh, they put great tournaments on, and they embrace traditional archery and have focused on it, and the event they, they've held um, for several years now, and specifically at Twin Oaks, is awesome and worth attending. Um, but there are other venues. There's field archery, and there's um, target archery. And just a couple of years ago, uh, USA Archery almost dropped Barebow from their target uh, tournaments. And the Barebow community, which was getting a little bit stale and um, not representing itself well at the tournaments, realized that if we want to keep Barebow Archery and traditional archery viable and, and growing and, and keep it an important part of tournament archery, we had to start showing up, and they did. And our tournaments are just um, filling up with traditional archery. As you know, the Lancaster's Classic, uh, which happens uh, in, in the middle of winter or towards the end of winter every year at the Classic, our traditional archery community has rallied around it. And we have, I think, the best um, or the toughest 
traditional archery, barebow archery class to compete in that exists anywhere in this country anyway. Well, as you remember from the 2016 Classic, we had our monumental snowstorm, which caused us issues at the Classic, but I will never forget, we had to divide up our coverage just the way we had to do it, and we did not do video coverage of the Barebow Finals, and man, did we hear about that. <laughs> you, you learned your lesson, and I didn't even have to call the call them out to reprimand you because everybody started doing it on their own. And so this year, with your help, and um, they let me hold a microphone a little bit too, we tried to put some spotlight on that, and I got a lot of great feedback from it. It's hands down the most watched video. I mean, we've we had the shoot down from every class. The Barebow Finals is far and away the one that's the most watched. Well, it's great because, you know, a pot... I mean, I don't want to knock a podcast while I'm sitting here doing one, but you can't see you can't see anything, and a picture's worth a thousand words, and a video of the best U.S. competition in traditional archery standing on the Lancaster Archery stage and shooting head to head. That video is really valuable, and it helps people to understand things that they've read about, they've heard about, but until they see it happening in a video, they don't completely understand it. And clearly there are some traditional archers who compete in that, but we call it barebow. Is it still traditional archery? Is that all the same thing? Good question, and yes, it is. Um, and that's a pretty broad statement. But the, the, the point is, um, no matter where you go or what organization you're going to compete in, what is called traditional archery has a lot of different um, divergent rules from one organization to another they have the classes are named something like traditional archery or barebow archery or recurve unaided um, and no matter what the name is no matter what the um, the specific and very narrow set of rules are the the gist of it is taking a, a modern recurve or longbow a bow with a single string no cams or pulleys you're hooking the string with your fingers and you're shooting without sights. Beyond that, there are some adjustments from one organization to another organization within the rules, but um, uh, the point of it all is, is recurve archery will always prog progress, freestyle or Olympic recurve, and freestyle or modern compounds will always progress and there will always be new equipment. We're trying to keep this similar to, or, or very limited in um, uh, equipment uh, capacity, and you're just you and the arrow and the bow and not much else, and you gotta get the job done. And that's why I say it's all traditional archery, it's all barebow archery, it's all whatever you wanna call it. Um, some of us like to compete with longbows and wooden arrows, and some of us like to compete with Olympic-style recurves that are simply stripped free of any accessories we're all from the same group and we're all trying to keep alive so a primitive style of archery that um, we keep getting further from with every new technology that comes out. Traditional archery has been around for as long as people have been shooting bows and arrows. Uh, it's popular today still. What, where's it going? What do you see for the future of traditional archery? Compound bows came out in like the 70s or the 80s. I don't, I don't know. 
exactly, I guess the 70s, maybe maybe even older, but they became popular, really popular in the 80s. Um, if you grabbed a compound bow from the 80s and a compound bow that is built in 2017, they don't look much alike. Um, they have a general sort of theme that's similar, but so much of them are different. And these things are gonna grow. There's nothing wrong with that. I like seeing them grow and get better quieter, faster, you know, people becoming more accurate. Those are all great things. A traditional bow made today, in a lot of senses, looks like a traditional bow that was made 50 years ago, and somewhat like traditional bows that were made 100 years ago. And there's an important role in bow hunting, and which is important to me and in comp competitive archery which is also equally important to me there are important roles for the traditional bows so that no matter how far modern technology goes competing with a traditional bow still looks like this and it still requires this set of skills and this this information about shooting with your bare fingers and about shooting without a sight and um, I think it's a I think it's an important part of the future of archery and you know personally I want to see it promoted and and you know like we do at the Lancaster Archery Classic and we promote that class specifically I, I promote it myself I promote it through Lancaster Archery and I have a great group of friends and competitors and bow hunters who help me promote it um, all the time and I think that's the that's the future um, I think we all need to take care of that future by being good representatives of the sport all working together and um, you know making sure that people are shooting the bows that I'm shooting today um, they're shooting them 50 and 100 years from now so well thanks a lot John we sure appreciate your time today and talking about traditional archery love hearing about it love seeing those people at our competitions and just out and about if you if anyone has any questions about this podcast or about other podcasts or anything about archery in general you can email us at podcast at LancasterArchery.com. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you uh, obtain your podcast, all the aggregators, iTunes, etc. If you have any other questions about Lancaster Archery, you can check us out at LancasterArchery.com. Mm -hmm.